This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. And we are in the studio. So hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? I have to tell you, it is like ice in here in the studio. So, um, yeah. So if I suddenly freeze up on the teeth and all the rest of it, you know why. So I've got to, I hope you're all nice and warm and snug. We've got a, a great week coming up this week. Obviously, we've got the radio show today. I've got two superb guests with Cat Webb um, going to talk to us about her experiences in why she set up a B&B, how she did it, what's going on, and all the rest of it. So we'll get hook like and we'll get everything today on the lowdown. If so, if anybody's listening who has a B&B or is thinking about setting up a B&B, this is the show to listen to. And the other person who is my guest today is Tina Brown, who's going to uh, talk to us about general health, her general health as well, with um, polymyalgia and all the other things that she's had to actually cope with and weight loss, etc. So she'll be on after our fabulous adverts at three o'clock. So she'll be on after that. Now then, let's go on and say hello to Kat. Kat, are you there? Can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear, Jackie. Can you hear me? Super. Yes, that's the most Fantastic. <laughs> so we're here in um, the studio in Penge, the Love to Beat Radio studio, South East London, Penge High Street, broadcasting from there. And uh, um, every week I'm here on a Monday, except Christmas days and things like that. You really wouldn't expect me to come in on Christmas days and New Year, would you? Well, you might. I don't know. Um, but I don't. <laughs> so, um, and unfortunately, Ozzy Osbourne, who I'm sure some of you will be hanging on for at four o'clock, he can't join us today because he's got uh, an urgent appointment uh, today. So that means he's not going to be here. But I'm here and we're alive and kicking. As I say, Love to Beat Radio. That's all the W's, L-O-V-E-D-A-B-E-A-T radio station based here in Penge and my show is 12.30 TWC Business Beat because every week I have someone who is entertaining, informative, inspiring, you name it, we have them here and we've got a great show for you. And if you miss some of it or you can't, uh, you want to go back and remind yourself about things, then we've got the podcast for you. So if you go to our website, which is all the W's, 1230.co.uk, have a look at the navigation bar and you'll see radio up there and podcasts up there. So if you click on the podcast, this show is being recorded and will be live next week when you click that particular uh, link on the website. Now, in terms of shout-outs, it's very important that we give our hosts a shout-out or our hosts to to um, 12.30, the women's company. And my fingers are so cold, I can't turn the pages. <laughs> um, so we've got Tina Neve, Siobhan Edom, Tina Brown, who will be joining us shortly, Peggy McSweeney, Dana Chapman, Severina uh, Todorova, and of course, Kat, who's on the show with us today. Uh, as our host. And if you fancy, if you're listening and you think, well, we actually haven't got a group, a 12.30 group, which is lunchtime networking for businesswomen. If you haven't got a group that's convenient for you to get to, 
give, and you fancy knowing more about being a host, which obviously gives you profile, do give me a shout. You'll find the contact details on the website. And we also have an online, we have our TV, so this is our weekly radio show, and we have our TV show, our online show, which is the second Wednesday of every month. So we've got all bases <coughs> covered for you. So then let's have a little hello to Kat now. Kat, what's the weather like your way? Um, gloomy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit, bit grey here. Yesterday was glorious, beautiful sunshine yesterday. But it was cold. It, it was, was cold. very cold yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was cold. So tell us about you and how you are running a and b Right. Well, um, I've done a number of different things through my career. I'm in my late 50s now. So I worked in restaurants for eight years, trying to think what I was going to do with my life. Um, before that, I was in... Uh, I left school and then I went to college to study interior design. So I did um, a full-time diploma in that. Um, then I, so then I worked, worked in restaurants and uh, went to drama school. So I got all the design and drama school thing out of my system and then got into social work and did that for over 20 years. And then when I turned 50, I thought it was time to move away from that. And um, so I just lived off my savings for a while and was thinking, what do I want to do next with my life? And I used to watch um, Four in a Bed, that TV programme about going to different <laughs> B&Bs. And that kind of interests me. I thought, oh, that could be something I could do. And I was trying to think how to adapt my house in London um, which would mean I would have to get extra bathrooms put in and things like that. So that sounded very expensive. And then one day I went and stayed in an Art Deco house, um, which was a and b um, in a place called Birchington, which sounded very boring, I thought. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, um, and it was just a five-minute walk from the sea, ten-minute drive away from Margate. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go and stay there. It looks good. And uh, that one night ended up with me buying the house, um, which took 13 months from staying here to moving in, and then um, took quite a while to sort of renovate it all because it, it all needed doing up. So everything's been done virtually, just got a few other bits to do, but from windows, rendering, roof, all new plastering inside, Fire doors put in, refurbishment of the bathrooms and en-suites, the rooms all refurbished. And each room, because the house is called 20th Century. I was just going to stop you there, Kat. For our yeah. listeners, just while you're talking, I wonder if they'd be interested to actually look at the website and visualise what you're talking to oh, them about. Oh, right, yeah, that's a good idea. What's, the, what's your website address there? Right, it's www dot 
Then the word 20th, which I will spell out, T-W-E-N-T-I-E-T-H. And then the word century, C-E-N-T-U-R-Y. Then the letter B, then the word and, then the letter B, dot com. So it's 20th century B&B.com, all as, um, but the 20th century B&B is all... All in one word, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank you for that. And then, so, I, I'm just sort of thinking about your history and, and what your career's been and everything else. So I can see that all the bits that you've actually done, so working in the restaurants, um, doing your interior design course, were destined for you to do something like this, weren't they? Well, yeah, and also for six months I worked in the maternity hospital, Stone Park, where I was born. Oh, did so you? I did <laughs> what skill did that give you then, Kat? <laughs> Just in case you've got any visitors who are suddenly going to give birth. <laughs> no, no, the cleaning aspect. I was a cleaner. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Because <laughs> when, when were you there? When were you there? Just a matter of interest? Um, not when you had any of yours. Oh, all right then. I only had Christopher it there. <laughs> it was in the mid-80s, I think. Yeah, well, he was 81. In 81. Oh, right. No, yeah, yeah, a bit after, a bit after that, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness me. But, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, people looking at the website, if they're looking at the website now, can get an idea of things, but actually to be there um, and the skills that you've gathered along the way in your interior design uh, course, putting all that together has just been amazing. So so the challenge was there. Oh, yeah, it's been a huge challenge. I've, I've always... When I bought, I had two properties beforehand. Each time I've always bought things that were rock bottom price. Um, I had a beautiful top two story, top two stories of a 1900 house overlooking London at the top of Crystal Palace Hill. Oh, fabulous. And that was a repossession and had been empty for two years, so that needed all to be doing. Yeah. And then I bought a house on the other side of the hill, having views of Kent and Surrey. Yeah. And that hadn't been lived in for two years, and oh. that needed gutting out, really. And I was living there while it's been gutted out. Oh, so I'm used to doing things up to get onto the next run right. of the property ladder. Right. But normally, I would do it over a long period of time. With this, because I needed to start earning money, I had to get it done quite quickly. So, um, took a year to sort of line up all the work and the companies to do all the work. And then I had to put them up in the right order. So basically, the most of the refurbishment was all done in six months, which was crazy because sometimes there'd be five different companies here, 11 different work people, Gosh. and the window people would want to be by the window, but the electrician would want to be by the sockets, and you've got <laughs> furniture blocking their way, and you've got to work out, how am I going to move all this stuff so they can both get on with what they need to do? So it was... It was 
challenging and I was getting up at six o'clock every morning to try and get clear space for um yeah so that so whoever was coming in to do work it was all prepared for them so with it but so in hindsight sorry I would have stored I would have paid for a storage unit and stored everything but I didn't well, hindsight is a wonderful thing, as we all know. Yeah. I think we'll all be agreed on that one. But um, so Art Deco, was it as it was originally built when you got it? Did you have to take it back to X or, you know, on the outside and the inside? How? how what's the history of the place anyway? Well, it was built in 1935 by a couple called Chaz and Kathleen Hawkes. And they had bought the bungalow next door and then bought the plot of land because in this area of Birchington um, it was just a little village and then sort of after the First World War, well between the wars, the um, land was divided into housing plots and people could buy a bit of land and build their house by the sea. Mm. So Chas was a master builder in his own company and Kathleen um, decided she wanted to be an estate agent so she could champion Chaz's work as well as sell other properties. So they built this house as a show home to really show off that they could build the houses of the most modern design. Right. Um, and so the house is on a corner plot. It really stands out. And um, the what is now the breakfast room for guests was Kathleen's estate agent office right in the front of the property. And Chaz had an office in the room behind, which is now my bedroom. And then... Um, yeah, and then they had living room, dining room, kitchen, and the four bedrooms. So over the years, there's been all sorts of people, and I'm trying to research who has lived in the house. They didn't live in the house for very long, because Chaz went bankrupt, building um, 26 houses in a village in between here and Canterbury, and he went bankrupt. Oh, so by 1939, they had um, moved out. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, so they didn't live here for long. And then another resident that was here for over 20 years, Tudor Gates, who we've got a room named after. He's an interesting character. He lived here for over 20 years. He was one of the screenwriters for Barbarella. He wrote Hammer Horror films. He wrote, I think, over 200 epi TV episodes, including episodes of The Saint, Sweeney, The Avengers. Um, he went bankrupt as well. So I'm hoping I'm not going to follow. No, <laughs> absolutely not. We're not having any of that, Kat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to trace all the people who've lived here. But it looks like in the 90s, the people that had lived here, the house before them had been rented out and the landlord, the owners, hadn't really kept up to date with the maintenance. So the house was in a really bad state in the 90s when this family bought it. So it's 
so sadly, a lot of the original features all got ripped out and it was modernised. Oh. And then uh, I've tried to put a lot of it all back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know, you, is it Coping's is the last job that you've had done recently? Yeah, there's... I don't know if anyone knows what a parapet wall is, but I shall try to... Um, I've had to learn all this technology and these terms. Yeah. Um, so because it's an Art Deco house, it's got a flat roof. It's also got three balconies. And the flat roof is, is you know, is a garden. The steps up the side of the house, you can get onto the roof. And previous owner kept her beehives up there. She made her own honey. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So... Uh, so you've got a wall. So with the balconies and the roof, you have a wall and then all, all around the edge of the balcony and the roof. And that's got a flat top to it. That is the parapet wall. And what was happening was um, this, even though I'd got it re-rendered, it had... Um, got damaged with snow line on it for six days, through two, two or three years ago. And, um, yeah, and it cracked it all. And the rendering company said, well, we will fix it, but you will need something to make it secure mm. because you're going to get this problem time and time again because of the climate mm. down your way um, with the heat and then the snow. I mean, I know a lot of people get that, but anyway, he said, that was the situation. So had aluminium coping, so that's like a, a sort of like a lid put over it all to colour match the windows, because the windows are a kind of turquoisey teal colour. And so it sort of, it finishes it off nicely. It does look quite good. So yeah, really happy with how it's, how it looks. And people have said that it looks really good and doesn't distract from oh, the think, look of the house yeah. and sort of enhances it in some way. So, yeah, so that's the latest thing. But there's always something to do. <laughs> I mean, I've only... I haven't actually seen it in the flesh, as it were, although we will be having our summer day down there with you, as well as on the 9th of March, um, our listeners may know that it's International Women's Day on the 8th of March, and we're having a day at Bromley Football Club for entrepreneurs, businesswomen, mums, retired people, etc. But on the 9th of March, we are having uh, an International Women's Day inspiration um, in Thanet, in Birchington, with Kat. Um, so I haven't actually seen the latest renovations that you were just describing, Kat, although I've seen it on your website. And it really adds to the, is there a word, stunningness? Stunningness of the building. Um, because, as you said, it really does stand out. And I think local people still know it as the as the White House, don't they, or the White Building? Sorry, Jackie, it just cut out then, and I just didn't hear what you said. Sorry. Well, any of it? <laughs> um, just what the, you asked me a question, and oh, I right. heard it was a question, but I didn't hear what the, what oh, the full okay. question was. Um, Locally, do people still refer to it as the as the White House or the White Building? Or yeah, are the they White getting tuned House, in? 
See, when it was built by Kathleen and Chaz, I said Kathleen was someone who, very formidable woman. I mean, I know people who knew her, you know, she was very sharp businesswoman, um, had lots of ideas and was really the driving force. So she called the house in 1935, 20th century which I just think is such a statement to call your house after a whole century. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, but when Tudor Gates lived here, he moved in in 1964. He actually um, moved in to his wife's house. She had been here previously with her first husband who had left her and her daughters. Oh, and I think it was either her or Tudor was saying, look, new man, new life, same house, let's just give it a different name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's when it got changed to the White House. Uh, and then five years ago, when we moved in, changed it back to 20th century. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, locals do know it as the White House. Um, still get some people who are trying to look for the previous owner's B&B, White House B&B. Um, but um, I think making a big enough splash, and that's something that's really important, I feel, if anyone's thinking of starting up a B&B, make sure you're part of the local community. Make mm. sure that people know about you because I get so many bookings from people who've said, oh, yeah, my, I'm going to a friend's 50th birthday party. She said to book here because she said it looks fabulous or a relative, they're coming to visit a relative. So I get a lot of bookings with people who come into parties, weddings, um, visit friends and family. So that is all year round business and so the community have really got to know you. Yeah. So I think because the community know me and, and the local parish magazine did an article on the place, um, it is, and I do plant stalls and I give out the cards, um, business cards when I did the plant stall. So, yeah, it is, um, yeah, we are getting known of who, the new identity of 20th century B&B. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. It's got to um, really... I mean, your website makes a stamp on its own, doesn't it? So, I mean, mm. what... Um, in the, in this whole... I hate the expression, but in this whole journey of where you are now, what do you feel has been the most challenging thing? Oh, gosh. Um, I suppose... I've, because I've wanted to restore this house, I think learning from previous houses I've renovated, properties, um, you know, the, the house I lived in before, there wasn't a functioning kitchen, so I had to quickly get a kitchen in there. Mm. But then after a while I realised, because I rushed into that, uh, it was the wrong design and it wasn't functional. So I had to replace that kitchen, you know. Right. Um, 
So I was thinking, when I'm moving here, I don't want to make the mistake of rushing to do things and then thinking, that's not right. And I also wanted to make sure that whatever I was doing was the best quality I could afford so it would see me through. Mm. I didn't want to have to replace things. I wanted them to be done of a really good standard, get good length of guarantees by the workmen and the products. Mm. And, you know, hopefully that will see me through to retirement. So say I'm, I'm in my late 50s now. So I, th- I think I sort of had a budget initially, but when you restore and renovate a house, there are so many things along the way, like the coping. I wasn't mm. expecting to have to do that. Mm. So there's things that are always coming up you haven't got a budget for and you've got to spend all the money you've made on that. Mm. You could do a cheaper version, but it's going to ruin the look of the house and people Mm. come to this house because it's a beautiful house and they want to stay, you know, they love Art Deco or they love places that are quirky and different. Yeah. And therefore... That that's challenging because that is constant, and I just think, when's it going to end? <laughs> <laughs> and you have but, people who come dressed in keeping, don't you? Oh yeah, we get quite a few people that come in um, that dress in sort of thirties, forties style clothing, and they live that lifestyle. Yeah, we get quite a few regulars like that, and that is lovely. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. So so I think just going back to what you were saying being the most challenging thing, it sounds as if I think in, in a home, in a, in a family home perhaps, the kitchen is always the heart of the place. And it sounds to me as if you're saying the same thing um, for all sorts of reasons. Is, is, am I right? Am I reading that correctly? Sorry, again, it cut out the beginning of the question. <laughs> <laughs> In a home, they say the kitchen is the most important place for the heart of a family or as long as everybody's fed, etc., etc. It seemed, from what you were saying, that the kitchen in a and b is the most important place or a renovation is the most important place to start, but to make sure you get it right. Is that, was I reading that correctly? Well, Previous owner ran it as a B&B, so um, I did observe her. There wasn't... I mean, the kitchen had been done fairly recently, so that's one thing I haven't had to do is buy a new kitchen. Mm. Um, and um, and I, I have had to buy... had extra shelving and have extra storage put in, Um just to make it more functionable. Um, but yes, it's it's key to make sure because it, what's challenging having a BM, a kitchen in a B and B is half the kitchen is your stuff and half of it's the, the the business's stuff. And I'm very strict. I don't use the B and B plates for me. Right, they're right. for the B and B, and my plates and my plates, right. and I've got my own cutlery, and the B and B's got their cutlery. They've, I've got my glasses, you know, mugs, everything. So you've got two lots of everything. That's why I had to get even more storage. Oh. Um, so that's that's that. And then, of course, you've got to be. Um, you've 
uh, have to have the council come round um, to have your three yearly hygiene inspection for food safety. Um, you've got to also do exams, um, um, level two and level three of food hygiene um, to make sure that you're all compliant. So there's all that side to it as well, as well as making sure when the guests come down to breakfast, the breakfast smells are wafting through the house oh. so they can smell, oh, yeah, my breakfast smells <laughs> delicious, yes. So, but I'm quite strict. I don't let guests in, in the kitchen yeah. Um, yeah. because of health and safety. And also, you just have to have some spaces which are just... Sacrosanct. <laughs> yeah, that are out of bounds. Otherwise, you know, because you're sharing your house with complete strangers. Yeah. You're yeah. welcoming strangers all the time. So you just have to have very clear, defined areas. And the kitchen is, is one of them that, yeah, that's um, not um, for guests to come into and help themselves. So I, I know um, we're pretty sick of hearing about it, but when COVID hit, how did that impact on your business? Oh, my gosh, it was a disaster. <laughs> it was like I had just um, put, spent, well, booked up a lot of magazine um, advertising mm. all around the country. Um, and, of course, these publications would go out, but no one was going to the shops to buy magazines. Um, nobody would even wanted to touch magazines because we didn't know where the germs were, did we? No, no. So, um, <coughs> it was... So that was a really bad time, so I didn't get one single booking from all that investment. But then, we, but then, but then in, in, in the building itself, um, it changed the way you had to process and change your linen and things like that, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just... I'll go to that bit in a moment. So oh, then sorry. we had to close. So then... Um, so then I had to refund people who wanted their deposits back. Oh, gosh. Um, so there was no money coming in, and then I had to pay back. So it was a really challenging time, and... And because it was a new business, we didn't, um, uh, we weren't entitled to any of the grants. We didn't pay rates. We paid council tax because it was primarily a house. So there was nothing um, available. Um, so there was a lot of frantically asking for those payday holidays. And then luckily things like bounce back loans came in and applied for those and um, the second lockdown, that well, was nearly eight months long because there were the Kent variants, so the second and third lockdown was like one long lockdown. And by then, they had realised that businesses like mine were falling through the gap, and so there was grants you could apply for. Um, so I did get something from the local council. But, yes, that first summer, when we reopened finally, we had to have... We couldn't have rooms booked People couldn't leave and other people arrived the same day. We had to have a day in between to air the room. We had to have... I had to quickly go and buy extra sets of um, summer duvets and pillow protectors 
and mattress protectors because um, we things had to be washed all the time, hot wash, and we had to, um, if they couldn't be washed, we had to um, quarantine them for three days. So in the living room, it was just full of bags with duvets saying, right, when they could be used next. It was... <laughs> Gosh, it was it, that was really challenging yeah. and really hard work. Yeah, yeah, doubled up on everything, didn't it? More so. It doubled up, and also the guests that were coming weren't necessarily guests that were attracted to here. They just were people who just wanted to get away. Yeah. So that was quite challenging as well. And that's that's when I started to. So some people came that. One couple came here and they were expect they they like modern places. Well, we're very proudly old fashioned. <laughs> so I always I make sure I'd call everybody now, make sure they're aware that although we've got, you know, modern facilities, we've got Wi Fi yes. and you know, everything's modern but it's done in an old fashioned style. Yeah. Because um, it's authentic, isn't it? Yeah, it's authentic. Um, just make sure everyone's aware that what they're going to be walking into, and it's for them. Because if it's not for them, I'd rather they find somewhere else, yeah. you know, that will suit them. So, so, but we don't get so much of that now. It was just that first summer. I think just people were so desperate to get away. Mm. Yeah. So that was a big learning um, point as well. And I think calling people as well now, they get to know me, I get to know them. If they've got a birthday or anniversary, then I know that. And then when they arrive, they've got a card and a little present on their bed if it's their birthday and things like that. Oh. So you can personalise it. So I really would recommend it's worth phoning yeah. up and finding out if they've got any allergies or dietary requirements and things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and, and I would imagine, well, from what you're saying, people come to you because of that personal touch, because you make them feel so welcome. And I know that the furniture that you've got in uh, the, the house is authentic as well. So what's the furthest you've had to travel to get a particular piece? Oh, my gosh. I have driven to Cornwall. Oh, gosh. <laughs> to get an art deco dressing table. Right. It was a really good price, and it... It matched the headboard that I'd bought at an expensive place that right. sold restored Art Deco furniture. Uh -huh. And I couldn't afford to buy everything from there. But, um, yeah, so I'd driven to Cornwall. Um, so it was still cheaper to drive there, um, get it restored than it would be to buy it restored brand you know from a top end shop yeah plus it was an adventure plus i got to see the lost was it the lost gardens yeah is it halligan something like that yeah 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 which was amazing place amazing well you've got a lovely um, garden as well which you've been working on haven't you Sorry? You've got a brilliant garden that you've um, been working on yeah, and to develop. Did, yeah. did going to those hanging gardens did, or those gardens, did they give you ideas or...? Um, 
Oh, gosh, if I had a budget, I would. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Cat. I know, that's probably about three times or four times as much, yeah. yeah. Oh, and also been up to Scotland to get furniture as well. Right, right. So all the way from Cornwall to Scotland, yeah. One extreme to the other, isn't it? So, yeah. It, uh, yeah, oh, no, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Anybody who is listening, I mean, I think from your description, Cat we'll all be there banging on the doors to get there so it's not you know but so with what you're doing at the moment with um the property are you giving yourself a bit of a breather now because you have had at the you know as we mentioned just now you've had covid to deal with you've had um obviously some sort of personal life you're expected to be able to have. Um, I know from um, you and I have worked together to do the um, Ziggy Stardust thing in Beckenham, which we can talk about later on, um, your other arm and things that you do. So what would you say would be your top five tips for somebody who's thinking... I think it'd be really nice to have a and b What things do they need to be aware of and what should they pay attention to, do you think? Well, first of all, you've got to like people. Mm. As I said earlier, you're welcoming strangers into your home nearly every day. Mm. So... And, and is that's that a good... Right. Just to interrupt you, is that a good idea? So with a and b do you have to live on the premises? You don't have to, but a lot of B and Bs there are rooms in your in your house. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to. But then some people, especially if you've got sig single travellers or elderly travellers, you know they like the fact there is somebody else yeah, there. Yeah, they feel secure. They mm. feel secure. Mm. Um, and and also, oh, just occasionally something goes wrong, you know, a fuse blows. You're on site to deal with it. Yes, yeah. So it gives people um, that safety aspect, doesn't it, with you being there? It does. And again, and also, building that relationship as well. It's definitely, we're very hands-on hosting here. Mm. And, you know, we do get a lot of people that are single or people that have been married for years and they're welcome to talk to other people when they're away, you know, it just breaks it up for them as well. Mm. And so, yeah, we will talk as much or as little as you want, really, and if you want to look, you know, if some of the other rooms are empty or we take people onto the roof. So we're happy to talk about the history of the house and show you around or talk about anything, really. I mean, gosh, I had a couple here um, beginning of the month I was talking to them till two in the morning and time just blew. <laughs> gosh, gosh, that's testing yeah, your skills like, as well. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's nice and because we're here and we're not going out much, you know, it, it can be quite social. So it's, it's quite fun, you know, you don't, you meet so many people with all different types of backgrounds and interests and, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, you've chosen um, some music for us today, which we'll go to in a moment. But before we go to the music, which will then lead us into the adverts, I just want to let 
everybody know about Spencer. Spencer is your personal and business partner, isn't he, I think? Um, yeah. He makes the most incredible lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> so it's well worth going to Cats for that alone, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so let's, get, get, let's give Spencer a shout out. Ray. 12.30 TWC, Business Beat Radio, Mondays 2 till 4pm UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes, for and from businesswomen. On all the socials, www.1230.co.uk, at Love to Beat Radio. We're going to be joined very shortly with Tina Brown, um, so we can continue talking to Kat, but also to find out about Tina. But Kat, you were in the middle of actually giving us your top tips. The first one being people. Yes. As I say, you've got to like people and you meet amazing people and it's it's just fascinating. And so many lovely people as well. It is, it is a lovely part of the job. Um, you've got Second thing is you've got what is you, the uniqueness that your B and B is going to offer people? Why should people book with you? Mm. Is it because you're in a fantastic location? Have you got views? Are you in the middle of the countryside? Are you in some historic city or town? Um, are you in an interesting in historic building? Um, have you got loads of tourist attractions nearby? Um, you know, really got to sort of hook people in um, and sort of showcase what talents, what you've got to offer in your B&B. And that's also things like um, could be really good home um, cooked food, you know. It could be like here I use mostly local produce. Uh, I, could, I know who makes the sausages, I can trace the all the meats for the bacon and, and the meat used in the sausages, what farms, you know, the eggs get delivered to the door, the milk gets delivered directly from the dairy along with the butter and yogurts. So that's, you know, that's something that we're very proud of here is that we use local produce. Plus we also grow things as well. We grow fruit and veg for breakfast. And guests love seeing me in the morning pick things they know they're going to have for their breakfast. Um, you can't get so fresher the, than that, can you? You can't get fresher than that. The fresh fruit salad does live up to its name here. Mm. Right. Then what? the third thing is about what's going to be your identity? What's the image? What's your style? What are you going to offer? You've got to think about when you buy furniture and fittings, um... You may think, oh, this looks brilliant, but then you've got to clean them. You've got to clean things every day. Mm. So are they going to, um, you know, look good in six months' time after they've been cleaned a lot and they've been used by guests? So you've got to really think about making things practical. Mm. And so when you design a room layout for your guests, You've got to think about, is this really practical? One, for the guest, and two, for you. Mm. 
cleaning it and maintaining it. Yeah, good point there, actually. Because you've got to have also got to have good relationships with some local tradespeople. So if something goes wrong, you can call them up and get it seen to you quite quickly. Because if your boiler goes wrong, which it did happen after a couple of months of opening up, um, and you haven't got any hot water, (laughs) you know, you need to have uh, got contract with British Gas, you know, and the local guy was really good. He came quite a few times until I was able to replace the boiler. But yeah, you've really got to think about everything's got to be easy for maintenance. And then the next thing I would say is there are so many regulations you've got to follow. Um, You've got, you know, you're going to be um, serving food, you've got to do your food hygiene, You've got to get that tested. You've got to register yourself with the local council. They will come around and inspect you every three years. You've got to have the qualifications, um, the level two and level three in um, food hygiene and safety. You've got to have music license. You've got to have a vision license. For What's a vision sure, license? Having... Yeah, that was a new one. It's a new one that's coming. So um, people that make TV programs and films that get shown on your TV, they have to have some money as well. Um, You've got to have the landlord gas safety certificates. You've got to get all your electrical appliances tested. And um, you've got to get your fire alarm system. You know, it's good to get, you know, get... All these things, fire doors, that's how I'd replaced all the doors to have fire doors. Um, you've got to, um, yeah, register and, and things like registering your business with the local tourist board as well. So there's lots of, and they're good things. They might, if there's things that have changed or that are going on, they can notify you. So and I also belong to the B&B um, Association, and they're like a sort of trade union, and they keep you up to date with everything as well. So there's lots of things you've got to follow, and that's all expenses as well. So it's quite a lot of things there. That's a, a and then you're... Sorry. I was going to say yeah. that's a very, very long list that you've got to keep on top of, isn't it? Because it's... Yeah. Like, most of those are, if not all of those, are not one-offs. They're something that is keeping you in line, making sure that your uh, guests are safe, etc. Not only from the point of view of the relationship that you're building with them, but um, also safe from the point of view of what you're feeding them, what is the building safe, etc., etc. And I forgot to mention insurance as well. You've got a public liability insurance as well. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and also I make sure guests are aware of all that because I expect that some, especially some places, may not do all that, but I want to make sure that people that come here can be rest assured, especially when, the, you know, we opened up after COVID, I was following everything to the letter mm, mm. and making people aware of that because we were getting people stay here who were um, who had isolated because of their health conditions, and it 
was quite scary for them to actually go away because they'd been stuck at home for months and months on end. So it's reassuring when they find out that, you know, where they're going, we're following all these procedures. Okay, well, thank you for that. Well, I just got one last thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry, number five, marketing. (laughs) Right. Marketing. Just um, think about if you're advertising on places like booking.com, experienhost.com, they all have their percentage of commission. So that comes out of your Mm. pricing for the rooms. Mm. So, you know, you need to have a really good website and be able to track people. You need to be on their social media, networking. You just need to be out and about. And as I said earlier on, a lot of your marketing could be done by the local people. So if the locals know about you, when someone says, oh, can you recommend anyone to stay, anywhere to stay? That's not just local community, it's the local businesses as well. So do as much as your own marketing and leaving your cards everywhere so people can book directly through you. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for that, Kat. Now, I know that Tina is itching and they're there online, (laughs) at least I hope she is. But what we're going to do so I can make sure she's okay and that you're okay, Kat, because Kat's going to stay on the line and we're going to talk to Tina, but we're going to have a conversation, find out about Tina and um, keep Kat in there. She's, She's not going to escape straight away. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. Welcome back into the studio and I'm now delighted to let you know that uh, Tina Brown is actually online. But a reminder, we are broadcasting from Love to Beat Radio Station based here in Penge. That's L-O-V-E-D-A-B-E-A-T radio station and as has been said earlier i'm jackie groundsell my business is 12:30, the women's company which is lunchtime networking for business women so you will be able to find out about us on all the w's 1230.co.uk so tina are you there i am hi hello and cat and those who were listening earlier Thank you for staying with us. Um, Kat's still here and we'll be joining in the rest of the conversation. So, Tina, welcome to the show. You've been here before, actually, in the studio, haven't you? I have, I have, but I'm nice and warm at home today. (laughs) (laughs) But you're glad you're not in here, I tell you. So, (laughs) um, so some of our listeners will uh, know you and some will have heard you before when you've been on as well as listening to the podcast that I mentioned earlier but for our new listeners would you introduce yourself please okay so I am Tina Brown and I help people to lose weight and um, hopefully maintain it as well that's quite important and um, I'm based in Bexley Heath um, in Kent but I can support across the whole of the UK um, which is great. And I have been in the weight loss industry for over 20 years now, and I absolutely love helping people. Wow. Well, what's the most you've ever actually helped someone lose? Say that again. What's the most weight that you've actually helped somebody to lose? Oh, okay. Um, nine stone. Wow. And how long did yeah. that take? Oh, um, actually, about... Let me think. Less than a year. Less less than a year. Gosh, that's amazing. That's it's a amazing. whole person. 
gosh, yeah. No, it is. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm sort of going back. I'm sort of thinking when I was seven and a half stone, and I know that's really difficult. Those of you who know me, it's difficult to imagine that I was ever seven and a half stone, but I was. Um, so and to lose nine stone is absolutely amazing. So how did you help them do that? What, what was the process? Can you remember? Kat, have you um, ever so had to go? Have you ever lost weight yourself? Because you're quite slim. Yeah, so anyway. I, I lost I lost four stone. Right. Um, so nine stone to me is also very inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's the, to be honest, when you once you're in the zone of losing weight, you um, it's it, I know this sounds bizarre because it's not easy, but it is easy once you're in the zone. It's actually the maintenance that's the hardest part. Um, but equally, I'm now um, losing a bit of weight again because I've um, had surgery and stuff, so I wasn't allowed to, to um, diet. Right. And now I'm back in that, oh, actually, no, it's really hard. <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned you've had surgery. Um, I know you've had a lot of challenges with your health, so would you mind sharing some of that with, with the listeners? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, well, I mean, I could talk all day about my health, to be honest, but... <laughs> no, you've let's got go... half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go back. So, I actually had cervical cancer um, originally, way back, um, actually when I was 29. Gosh. Um, and that led to um, a lot of surgery. And initially, it led to me thinking I was going to have to have a hysterectomy at 29. Um but I went on to have pioneering surgery, um, you know, saw amazing, amazing surgeons and um, got my womb preserved. And I went on to have my daughter. Um, she was born at 26 weeks. So God. I then went through the whole premature baby dilemma, which was awful as well. Um, yeah. And then out the other side of that, I then... Actually, that, that brought me into the weight loss world because after that happened, you, your, um, the way you think about everything completely changes once you've had cancer. Like, no one, unless they've had it, can understand that. It absolutely changes everything. Um, and I went into the weight loss industry because I wanted to do something that I was passionate about um, rather than just a job for money. Um, so, but then from then, I then was diagnosed, um, and this was a few years on, but diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which Painful. is a chronic pain condition. Mm. Um, and then a few years on from that, I was then diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, which is a form of arthritis similar to rheumatoid, but not rheumatoid. Um, and again, I believe both of those conditions are related to, to what I went through with the cancer. So like the trauma side. Yeah. Um, because I got through the cancer, really. Mo all of my family and friends were like, wow, you're just like amazing. And, you know, but clearly deep down, it, it's something that's, that does traumatise you quite a lot. I'm sure. So, I'm um, sure. so yeah, fibromyalgia and psoriatic arthritis. So, um so that means, in effect, I'm in pain 24-7. But, again, when you talk to anybody with chronic pain, you, you have a high pain threshold. And um, 
you know, what I live with, most people probably wouldn't even bear for a day, but I'm just used to it because it's always there. So that um, particular type of arthritis, what, why, what's different about, and I mean, there are quite a few different uh, types of arthritis, yeah. aren't there? What makes, what differentiates that? What's different about that particular one? So psoriatic arthritis is basically, if you've had psoriasis in your life, um, it's about psoriasis actually being in your joints and it eats your joints, which is <laughs> an easy way of saying it. Um, so you can't get psoriatic arthritis if you've never had psoriasis. So it's related to that. that that's a skin condition though, isn't it? Yeah, so that's the skin condition. And you get those scaly, you know, scaly lesions. Yeah. Um, but what happens is they're inside your body, inside your joints, and Gosh. they eat out. Yeah, so. Gosh. Kat, have you come across any of, of um, those sort of ailments? I mean, I know with um, your, your different, career, you know, your elements of career that you mentioned before, um, and when you were social working, I don't know how much that would have touched on people's physical health. All right, every time I ask a question, I, I didn't hear the first bit of the question. Sorry. Oh, right. Well, the, the particular type of the, the sort of chronic illnesses that um, Tina ha, has had and is still coping with and suffering, um, with social worker, were you ever, ever involved in supporting people who perhaps had similar types of illnesses? Did, did your... Uh, career touch on that side of things or, or not? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, often supporting people with a whole range of different illnesses and supporting them in, you know, trying to access the right services um, and if there's any extra funding to help them. And it's really... Um, constantly advocating for them and because I was working with families trying to advocate that you know it's you had the adult model so you were the adults who were looking after um, the professional health professionals looking after the adult I was supporting well we also have to think about the children's needs in this family and do a sort of and try and get a more holistic approach. Yeah. So, but we would have perhaps different viewpoints of what that holistic approach would look like. So it was constantly learning things and um, and trying to see how can we all work in partnership to support a family um, to get the best outcome for everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so Tina, does when you're helping somebody who, like you, uh, well, I'm assuming you're able to help other people who have chronic illnesses like yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that, obviously, because I've got the absolute knowledge of how they might be feeling, what they felt, mm. everything that goes along with that, and then how hard it is, to even harder, to lose weight with these conditions. Yeah. Um, so, But the thing I always say, and for me in the beginning, when I first started to lose weight, I was on steroids, and everyone knows that steroids, it's difficult to lose weight. They they make you puff up as well. Um, and I'm now on, when I started losing weight myself, I was on 15 different types of medication, wow. um, in, including steroids. And I'm now on six. 
So, and no steroids. So the weight loss obviously really helps and weight loss helps every condition, to be honest, every condition. But when it's something that's pain related as well, obviously any heavier weight on on your joints, et cetera, is going to make a big difference. But yeah, I love helping people that have these conditions the same as me, because as I say, I've got even a deeper understanding of how they feel. So, Tina, what about um, the type of foods that you that you help people lose weight with? What sort of diet are they actually following for this? I, okay, so um, a combination of just healthy eating. So let's just be, you know, protein, carbs, fruit, veg, the whole lot, because we all need all of those food groups. Um, but alongside that, depending on how quickly you want to lose weight or if you want to get food out of the equation, which, you know, a lot of people do initially, um, then it's um, Cambridge Weight Plan meal replacement products. So it's uh, it's across the board, though, because I tailor it to everybody that I see. So it's not just, you know, you have to do this. It's going to be tailored to fit people's life. OK, so... Um, and what about exercise? Presumably, you have to keep an eye on that sort of thing because, uh, well, I'm assuming. Would I be right on that? <laughs> well, exercise is always good, obviously, and it's good for maintenance, definitely. But the, the other really great thing, if you, you know, you get someone who's very overweight, so exercise is difficult or painful, mm. um, you know, in the beginning, that's just an extra, you know, that they might be like, oh, God, you know, I can't do that as well. Mm. So... What is great, especially, you know, if you're having more meal replacements, is you don't have to exercise in the beginning just to get that going and get some of that weight off. Um, But then I would always recommend to bring it in as a a long-term thing. But you don't have to go crazy, which is a good thing, because you always get clients that say, oh, I don't have to exercise, do I? (laughs) And I'm there with that. It's it's an add-on, isn't it? It's an extra thing. So I suppose when you're focusing on listening to you, getting the foods right, getting that balance right yeah. and everything else. It's, it's an added thing that people with their lives perhaps don't need immediately, maybe. Absolutely, absolutely. I, you're, you're, you're so right. You have to, yeah, you're focusing on that. And then I say focus on this and it's just like, ah, on. So, yeah, so getting the weight loss going, all of that stuff. And then, you know, bringing in some gentle exercise would be good. And what, what, what do you classify as gentle exercise? Walking, you know, walking is the absolute best thing you can do Mm. because it doesn't jar your joints and it doesn't hurt you and you can do it as slow as fast as you want and you can, you know, just get outside and do it. So walking is the absolute best. Um, And then, you know, swimming is good. And then dancing, I love dancing. So dancing is a fun exercise as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What about you, Kat? Do you exercise or been on any diet things at all? Um, I used to play netball. I'm hoping to go back to that. There's a local club going to open up in the village. Oh. So, um, but working in the B&B in the summer when it's busy, I lose <laughs> half a stone because you're on the go all the time from six in the morning to 11 o'clock at night sometimes. Yeah. So um, that, that keeps me out of mischief. <laughs> I don't believe that for one minute. <laughs> <laughs> the mischief side of things. So, 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 Tina, what do people actually find the hardest 
about trying to lose weight. I mean, obviously, the weight thing is, is a, um, an amazing goal to have and to be able to achieve, but what actually do they find the hardest thing? Is it getting started or...? Okay, so the hardest thing once they've got started, so obviously, hopefully, once they've got to me, they're ready to, to go. But once you start, definitely, I think the hardest things for most people is the weekends, socialising, and the evenings, always the evenings as well. Um, so, you know, I always have tips and tricks for what you can do in the evening to, to help. Um, weekends as well, you know, it's just really about planning. If you know you're doing something, then tell me, and then I'm going to talk you through it, and we can work out a way that suits them as well. Again, it's not going to be, you know, you have to just have this. Like, we can fix that in but it's for nearly everybody I would say weekends socializing and evenings yeah and I guess that applies to you as well because apart from the fact that you've had to manage all these all these chronic illnesses along the way for for so long with the pain that's involved um you're a very social animal aren't you and then you mentioned earlier about dance etc etc and I and I'm sure people must have confidence in you because of who you are and how you are as a lively person. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm so sure I'm at the theatre a lot. I'm out a lot. Um, so, again, I've, like, lived that way. You've got to try and juggle this all in and, mm. you know, still lose weight, um, which I can. Um so, yeah, but, you know, and I, I think because I'm honest with my clients and they know my own struggles as well, mm. I, you know, I, I don't ever sit there and go, oh, my God, this is, you know, the easiest thing I've ever done. Or, it, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult for everybody. Mm. Um, and as you say, with the chronic conditions, it's, it's, it could be really easy to sit on the sofa and comfort eat because yeah. that, it's the opposite of what's going to help you but at that moment when you might be in more pain or you know, it, it feels good at the time. And again, I get that. Um, and this time of the year is the worst for me because of the, the temperatures, etc. Yeah, with the cold and the damp, I guess, yeah? Yeah, is, is definitely. And, yeah. and so, in, in so, being in so much pain with things, um, you, you mentioned that you've managed to cut, cut, cut back on your steroids and also on your painkillers. Um, but it's because of your experiences as well. I keep saying this, but it, it must be such a bonus to some of your clients to come to you and know that the experiences that you're going through and how great you look um, and how fun you look and for people to have that confidence in you. So what, um, do you, how, what sort of, you mentioned the Cambridge diet before. How, how does that work? So that is meal replacements with, with healthy food alongside. And again, with chronic conditions as well, I think what's great about it is the speed that you can get the weight off. So, you know, if you're really struggling, you know, you could lose a stone um, in a month. And, you know, straight away a stone is going to make such a difference because um, just one pound off is actually four pounds off your knees, for example. Oh. So... You know, imagine you lose four pounds. It's actually four times that off your knees, which is over, you know, it's a stone and two pounds off your knees. So um, you immediately really see. Point. Yeah. Um, and knees are the, are the part of our body that takes all the weight in effect. 
um, and all the clients that I get with chronic health, etc., or not even chronic health, just overweight, they always say, oh, my knees. Um, and that's because imagine if you lose one pound, it takes off four. But if you put on one pound, you put on four on your knees. So that's a lot of weight. Yeah. So um, what about costs then? Are these, is this Cambridge diet something expensive to follow? Do they do special um, promotional things? Or um, not everybody's going to be nipping down to cat and getting all their fresh fruit and veg from the garden and everything else. So they will <laughs> be using um, some of these uh, um, supplement meals and things like that, I guess. But um, yeah. what about cost for people? How how do they find that working for them? Do they? Um, again, um, when you think about most people that need to lose weight, maybe have takeaways, maybe have coffee out, maybe have, you know, if you work in the city, you know, I used to, so I know the prices, um, you know, of lunch, like lunch in the city, just getting a sandwich maybe and a, and a coffee could be £12 a day. Like that is... You know, when you actually think of it like that, it's ridiculous. Yes. And if you did yeah. that five days a week, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So with Cambridge, if you are having mostly products, you get all of those products from me. You get my support 24-7, so, which is invaluable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and, um, so that would all be in. So then quite often you're not spending any money on the coffee and the takeaways because you're on the, the set or the plan that doesn't include all those extras as well. So I do have clients actually say, oh my God, I've saved money because I'm just not doing all that takeaway stuff and you're giving me all my food so I don't have to buy anything else and you're supporting me one-to-one. -one. Um, so, you know, it's a great price. It works out something like um, it's less than three pounds of the product, yeah. um, which is a meal in effect. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it is cost heavy, but... Sometimes families and that say, oh, but because it's my family. But again, I've had people that, you know, feed their family healthily, how they should be anyway. And then they're having products and it still works out, you know, cheap. So, and your health is so important. Your health is the most important thing. So, oh, goodness, yes. really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to have your health in that terms. So, um, and you've got a particular promotion running on? For this month have you at the moment did you did you mention to me so i'm gonna yeah so i'm basically offering um if anyone joins me before the end of january i'm gonna chuck loads of freebies in so i've got really wonderful water flavorings um which you can spice up your water or your sparkling water and make it like gin um <laughs> it's not gin flavor by the way <laughs> um and the latest magazine that's just come out, which has got recipes and stuff. And then we've got some um, snacks, some pop squares, which are really easy if you are struggling with um, hunger. So like little crispy Dorito things. Um, and I'm going to give all those free to anyone that joins me before January, oh, end brilliant. of January. Okay. So now then, one of the things that's really, 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 really important is that they need to know how to get hold of you. They do. So I am, um, I'm trim as in... T-R-I-M, Trim with Tina, across all of the social media platforms. Um, so I'm on Linktree and I'm Trim with Tina on Linktree and then you'll get everything, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Excellent, excellent. That's really good. And Kat, would you like to repeat how people are going to get hold of you as well? Yeah, so the website is www 
20th Century B&Bs, that's T-W-E-N-T-I-E-T-H-C-E-N-T-U-R-Y-B-A-N-D-B.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, and then it's... um, it's under the number 20th, 20th century B&B. 1230 TWC, Business Beat Radio. Mondays, 2 till 4pm UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes. For and from business women On all the socials, www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio. Is there anything you need to ask each other? Um, I was just going to say, Tina, you, you know, you're very inspirational with your with your journey and and how you've managed to achieve so many goals, even though you've had so many challenges as well. So, you know, fantastic well to hear mm. hear more oh, thank from you, you today. Uh, I suppose just um, what you know, because you've got a you've got a you said you've got a daughter, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. So how is, how, because I, you know, my background was in social work, working with children and young people. So what, and especially for teenagers now, there's so much pressure for them with this, that, and the other, about how they look and social media. What sort of tips would you give other sort of parents who are perhaps worried about their daughters and sons or their, their children just, you know, to to be to to love their body image and as much as possible. It's so difficult when you're a teenager. I know that's a very heavy question to ask, <laughs> but I just wondered if you had that any is, advice because it's a constant worry for parents. Yeah, that is, that is, sorry, Tina. Just before you come in it's there, right. at, um, on a personal level, I've got uh, in our family we've got a 14-year-old who is actually going through all that body issues at the time at the moment so i'll be really interested to know what you've got to say tina thank you let me have a chat to her as well um so basically yeah i mean that could be a whole new topic because my daughter is 23 and um she's grown up with me always being a weight loss expert but equally always being someone who's like worried you know i'd be honest about myself worried about my weight and what i look like so I spent most of my time worried about how that would affect her. Mm. Um, and so I've tried to be really um, careful around that. But do you know what? She is now, she will have chocolate and put it aside. Wow. Um, <laughs> she will, she, she eats rubbish, trust me. But she will then think about what else she's eating. So, and I don't know if that's just the type of person she is, because she's amazing, but... Also, I have spoken to her about it and said to her that, you know, I don't want you to feel what I do or how I do it or how I feel affects you. Um, And then there was also a song, which I'll have to choose next time, which is a little mix song, which is about, um, you know, what you would tell your younger self if you had the chance. And there is so many things that I would have told my younger self. Um, But it's about, you know... It, you have to remember that social media is absolutely not real. Mm. You know, how people look, how they're pasted out, how they're painted out, how to slimmer. Mm. Mm. You know, 
et cetera, et cetera. It's not real. Um, and, and also, I'm very happy to talk to any young people, you know, not to help them die, but actually just to talk to them about that as well. Um, yeah. Because it's, it is dear to my heart because I know that so many young people feel like they need to look a certain way because of social media, and you really don't. No, it's, it's so true in terms of the pressures that they've got, haven't they? I mean, just thinking of when I started this business, there was no social media. Now, yeah. Kat mentioned about marketing earlier. That's a big, big mix, a big add on social media that we need to pull into our businesses. And the, and the youngsters yeah. are coping with that as well, aren't they? I mean, all these yeah. new things um, that they, they are pressured with in terms of look as yeah. well. So, absolutely. Thank you again, both of you, so much. So in, absolutely invaluable what you shared with us today, Tina, uh, in terms of your health, which is obviously quite personal that you share with all your clients as well, because it's important for them to build the relationship. And going over to Kat, again, the importance of a relationship with your business and building that as well. So I think, you know, it's relationships are so important it sounds very flippant to say that but with 1230 it's about building relationships as well and with both of you it's so important to have the confidence uh, and to know that your clients know that they're safe with you and I think that is just amazingly important so over to you Kat um, just very quickly Cat Web, 20th century B&B how they're going to find you um, they go to the website, which is www.20thcenturybnb.com. So that's the word 20th. And we're situated five minutes from the blue flag, sandy beach, beautiful golden sand of Minnis Bay. And that's in Birchington. And that's in between um, Hearn Bay and Margate on the Kent coast. And there's a station nearby, really easy to get to by train or by coach even, and by car. Yeah, no, it is. It's really, really easy. I have to tell you, I, um, um, particularly here in Beckenham, um, Bromley South, straight through. Um, and it's, what, five-minute walk to yours and then another five minutes to the beach. Um, so thank you, Kat, for that. I'm sure a lot of people will be not only inspired by your efforts and all the things that you've done, but um, let's um, make sure that they come and visit you. And don't forget, if you forget either Kat or Tina, get in touch with me. And Tina, remind us again how people can get in touch with you. Thank you so much for what you've shared today. Um, so I am Trim with Tina, T-R-I-M with Tina, all one word, at, and I'm on every platform of social media that you can find. <laughs> okay, well, again, thank you both very much. Now, next week, I have got Jane Knight as my guest. There's two Janes next week. Jane Knight and Jane um, Horwood, um, who, if you want to look them both up, you'll find are very, very interesting women, are my guests next week. So I will see you same time, same place. Thank you, listeners. See you all again soon. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio.